Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. This is Frank McKay. Much more importantly, Catherine Ransom, fresh off of her trip to Europe and uh, Amsterdam and, uh, and, you know, so many uh, stories to hear there. I'm eager to hear back, but she is the uh, author, of course, of of Ransom Notes, but she's uh, also the host each and every week of this radio show slash podcast. She is the subject of a documentary, and before that she was uh, a, a subject of a radio series before she became the host of her own radio show and podcast. And you could hear us on 124 different outlets and, and counting. And whatever one you're listening to us on now is is fine. And, and she is soon uh, going to be announcing uh, that you could watch her documentary and other uh, content on uh, on TV, on uh, Roku Channel, and you'll be able to see her on on Amazon Fire and the Roku channel and her own channel, and we'll be revealing that as we move move ahead in the next couple of weeks. But right now, let's welcome back to the United States, Catherine Ransom. Catherine, how are you? Well, I'm just fine. I have my wandering shoes uh, sort of cleaned up after spending uh, a, a wonderful two weeks in uh, Belgium and the Netherlands uh, with uh, it's just fun wandering around. We ha- we were traveling with a, a company, and so we were on a boat uh, most of the time, and uh, Grand Circle Travel. And I recommend them if somebody is thinking about traveling. They're a great company and clean and nice and uh, pleasant, and we had good guides and all of that. But most importantly, the Lord co- cooperated. And you know how he cooperated? Weather. You got it. They they tell me they tell me that the Netherlands can have rain as much as two days out of every three, if you can believe that. Wow. And the tour group that went just before ours, you know, in other words, they had a, a trip that went two weeks and then they started over again, and and we were on that one. They had as I understand it, every day with rain. We had the miracle trip. Guess how many days of rain we had? Don't say zero. We had zero. It rained a little, a couple of nights, you know, when, when it didn't bother us or very early morning. It was unbelievable. And I'll tell you, the guides were so thrilled because taking a group of seniors around primarily on foot when we were doing our visiting. We were on the boat, and of course that was covered, you know, obviously. But when we were out walking, we most of the time we're not in buses. We were mostly on our, you know, walking with our 10 little toes. And uh, so the wind was strong. I tell you, the wind can come off of those canals and just about blow your hat off. And I had to get my earmuffs, can you believe it, earmuffs in April, out a couple of days uh, along with a wool jacket, but uh, no rain. And that made it so much beautiful. Have you been, have you traveled any at all in the Netherlands? Uh, yeah, I have. And and when I came back from my latest trip, I ended up flying out of Amsterdam because it was easier. Uh, it was easier to get out of 
the the country than it was Germany. But yeah, it's a, it really is a beautiful. I've been there several times. It is a beautiful beautiful place. Rembrandt Museum is uh, is, is there, and uh, um, uh, you know it's just it, it's a unique place and it, just absolutely lovely. But you you uh, you saw some of the flowers I, for whatever reason. Um, I, I saw very few tulips in my trips to the uh, tri- trips to the Amsterdam. I think it was more like a, a more stopover type than, sure. uh, than anything, but it's a very eclectic place. Well, you used an interesting term that I was going to talk about. You said that it's an easy place to get out of. We left Saturday morning, but so you can tell we're just, you know, we're freshly back. And we had to leave the hotel about six in the seven in the morning to uh, make sure that the transportation got us out there. The airport wanted us three hours before our flight, so which was to go out around eleven ish or, or a little bit later. And uh, so all of that was on time, and we had had help filling out the forms, which have become so complicated to fly. They, you know, they need everything. We had our test on. Uh, uh, Friday, so that we would uh, prove that we were healthy, and uh, everybody on our tour group passed or, or checked out. I guess you say negatively. Yeah. It always seems backwards when we say that if you're if you're healthy, you're negative, and if you're not, I just can't get used to that. So we were all there, and as we were boarding the plane, uh, a couple of people were standing next to me, and they said, "Did you know? Did you know what just happened?" They said, apparently, the airport was just about ready to close down. And as we were on the plane, KLM staff and and people that were working there decided that they just didn't have enough help, and they were striking and closing down pieces of the airport. We were so glad that we were already on the plane and about ready to take off. And I think it made headlines and all of that kind of thing. And it's... We were just appreciative of the fact that we didn't have to stay an extra day or ten five days because we were um, had the virus, or even one day because the airport closed down. It's amazing how sometimes things go more smoothly than than you think. But back to your tulips, there is no two ways about it that I learn more about tulips in two days because that's when we really focused on the tulips did you know that when they plant the tulips and we were at a farm where among other places where they plant and then they sell tulip bulbs as well as raise tulips for tourists to come and pick and number one i had always went how do you pick a tulip how do i pick a tulip yeah um, what do you do? I, I've never picked a tulip, to be honest with you. Um, I, I assume um, you, you have to get go really low from the uh, from the bottom, right? Um, and I, I don't know. Do you cut it? Well, that's what I've always done. But do you know what they had this do in this tulip farm where their way of making money was to invite people? You know, we, we paid to do it. We could come in and we could pick up to t- pick up to ten different tulips and the field was full of them and they had a huge variety so you could put your bouquet together if you wanted them all pink or you wanted them curly or you wanted mixed or whatever but we were told to gently pull them up 
And we pulled them up, and some of them would come up with the bulb. And all they do is feed the, the bulbs to the pigs anyway. They don't recycle the bulbs uh, in, in this particular place. But when they plant them in many fields where they're going to be picking them for like for the tulip auction, the flower auction, they plant them four tulip bulbs deep. The, and they plant them in the order when they'll bloom. So the slowest blo- blooming bulbs, get my BBBs out, are planted deeper. And then they'll put a, a tulip that tends to bloom a bit earlier on top. And then a pretty early blooming tulip. And then maybe some kind of a flower like a daffodil would might even be on the fourth one on the top layer that blooms really early. So they don't have to make four plantings, but they have four crops. Does that make sense? Uh, I, I guess, yeah, yeah, it, it does make sense now that you said it. I would, never would have guessed that. No, no. I mean, because we've planted tulips in our yard. Never thought about planting, you know, two or three on top of each other. But it makes a lot of sense, and that I guess that's why they're professionals, and we're just gardeners. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, by the way, one thing that uh, that came to mind when you uh, the last time I was uh, in Amsterdam, uh, somebody said, "Oh, you're in Amsterdam? That's great. I wish I was there. I love pancakes and I love French fries." French fries. And I was thinking, uh, why why those two things? And then as you walk down the street, there are many shops that serve pancakes all night, right? And French fries, you know, like or whatever they you know waffle fries or or, or whatever. Did you notice a lot of pancake? Um, oh yes, yeah, lots of lots of pancakes there. The first morning that I ordered pancakes, I'm thinking I'm going to have a you know uh, a pancake like I'm used to that's sort of fluffy and thick. And no, it's it was more like uh, what we make uh, French uh, desserts out of. You know, the real thin little pancake. It's got a special name, but my brain doesn't. Yeah, great. That's right. You got it. Thank goodness there's two of us here. And uh, but. But, oh, we got a lesson. You would not, we would not call those potato things that have been fried. We would not call them French fries because they originated in the Netherlands. And so they don't call them, they do not call them French fries. And they're sort of semi-offended if we call them French fries. So naughty, naughty. But are they delicious? I tell you, uh, they're crisp and crunchy and tasty and 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 bad for my stomach but they are just they are just so so very delicious but we did indeed enjoy the tulips and we'll talk a little bit more about them another time uh, uh, when when we have but we were so glad that we had good weather we sort of touched on that just a bit they the they sort of say that in in the Netherlands there's out of three days two of them probably have rain and that just wasn't there but i did have to get my earmuffs out because the wind was strong and uh, we did that but we we did a lot of we did a lot of uh, traveling we walked a lot we saw uh, the people in the market 
which is always a highlight for me. I love I love markets. I, I don't know. It's just crazy. I, I rarely buy anything in them. We bought some cheese because, of course, that's a good country in which to buy cheese. But it's, you just see what the people are like. Um, you know, it's like our markets in a sense. We sort of have our version of sometimes it's artwork and sometimes it's clothes and sometimes it's recycled things and other times it's things that you put in your stomach and they call it food and uh, you know all of those kind of things but the markets are are, are great and uh, but i'll tell you if we think things are getting expensive frank here in the u.s guess how much gasoline is a, is ranges in in the netherlands right now well i'm gonna assume it's more than five dollars right it's more well, yep. well euro it's euro so uh, uh well it, and, and the euro and the dollar are pretty 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 well, similar right yeah. now so you can all you don't really have to do much negotiating yeah. or you rush it off uh gas is a, around eight dollars a gallon oh, oh wow i think everybody so, had the same reaction i did eight dollars a gallon and when I didn't copy down any of the prices of apartments in Amsterdam, for example, but they, as they quoted the amounts, Frank, it just made your heart sad because they are so expensive and so small. Uh, you know, we get used to in the U.S. Uh, with lots of space, and I know I've got friends in Hong Kong, and I knew they had a teeny tiny apartment. But uh, apparently that's what is all over a great portion of the cities in the Netherlands, as well as I'm sure other parts of Europe. Uh, a, a simple house, if you wanted to buy a house, could easily run a million dollars. And that's nothing extravagant. Uh, it's, um, we're, we people here in the U.S. grumble and complain, and i done my share maybe you've you ever complain yeah, oh okay yeah, me, you're, you're yeah. my wife if i complain yeah that's what i started you know you're gonna ask my friend with whom i share an apartment uh we we grumble a bit but i'll tell you we have um, we, we have so much for which to be to be thankful but one of the strangest and this i really want to share just a bit because my heart is really sad Frank and and I'm mostly up it. One of the guides started talking about as we were approaching a cathedral, and she said they don't worship there anymore. It's a place we can go in and we can see some of the art, but the people the the the, the uh, people here in Holland almost have lost all of their faith over 55 roughly 55 percent of the churches and cathedrals have been turned into some other kind of a uh, a place it might be a hotel it might be a shopping mall they may have turned it into a restaurant libraries are taking over some of this huge space uh some of the art remains, and they work around it. I saw a picture. Of, we didn't work in it, but I saw a picture of a church that had been turned into a library. And the shells were way up in the balcony and on the sides. You know how some cathedrals have those 
second floors that look out over that and this the, the, the books would be clear up those scaffoldings they still worked around if they had graves in the floor as some cathedrals have where some of the people have been buried but just think 55 percent of the churches are no longer meeting as churches and even in the ones that are still operating the the attendance in a huge place maybe 20 or 30 people the young people are doing hardly any attendance and the old people are getting too old to be able to go and to do the choirs have almost disappeared and you, you know the in some of those cathedrals the acoustics are so magnificent that to know that you have no longer a choir that's going to really fill the air with the love of the lord uh, they, they're running out of people to play the organs where huge amounts of money have been spent creating a great instrument to share music um, there's almost no activity even in the churches and cathedrals that still have services almost no activity other than mass or the literal church service all other kind of extraneous extra support kinds of things uh, are just not there because the people are not there to support it and uh, they said the I, I guess it, you're the history student but it, and you can correct me if I don't remember it quite right that originally the Netherlands were a very very sort of mixed uh, Church of England and, and Catholicism or Catholics and that even though if they didn't attend, they at least acknowledged one or the other, and and it changed over the over the times. You know, sort of like a pendulum would swing back and forth what it was, and as well as other faith-based groups. But in in nineteen, I was looking up some statistics just because my brain doesn't remember everything I heard in the bus or walking. That about forty percent of the people in the nineteen sixties were acknowledged as Catholics and basically were pretty faithful. And by 2016, now that's four, that's six years, that, that statistic is six years old. From 40%, it's down to only about 22%. So they've lost almost half of the attenders, and, and it's continuing. Uh, one, and, and I thought, well, I heard this from our one guide, and and I was concerned, and I thought, you know, well, somebody has a, a particular hang-up, and they're listening to that. But we heard it from at least five different sources, this same kind of trend of that the, the, the sort of is, the worship is sort of going away, and that, that it continues to design, and that they now say only about 3%, 3% attend Mass, when in the past, it would have been the majority of the people. Um, I read something else that was sort of interesting. Not only are restaurants and so forth taking over the cathedrals and the church buildings, uh, but other places, instead of going to Mass or to going to a worship service, 
the place is now having, the churches are now having yoga sessions or meditation moments and sort of taken away from really worshiping the Lord, but just sort of having quiet time. And um, this should be concerning to all of us who believe uh, sort of are faith-based. And I don't know. We we need to think about, my friend, what, what we do to make sure that um, uh, the Lord and what he has done doesn't disappear. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like things disappear off of a grocery shelf. Well, we can't let the Lord disappear. Um, I, I was reading a magazine that was here when I got home, and there was a, a wonderful quote in it that, I know, you know me, I take crazy things and connect them to the, the Lord and worship and so forth. But it's this this one was an article, and you're not going to believe it, but about the uh, decline of wildlife. And the, the magazine or the, was the defenders of the wildlife. And I, I get their magazine because I like the wildlife and all of that. So occasionally they get some of my dollars. But the the wolves are declining and so there was an article speaking of how can we how can we protect the voiceless in other words the wolf if it's being destroyed or killed or, or whatever so that it's disappearing it doesn't have a voice other than that howl uh, and so they're talking about and the article was what do we do and they were sharing things that were happening but the the quote that I like and then I, I think it relates to what I've just shared about the changing of the churches and the faith in the Netherlands. And it's not unique to the Netherlands. I'm not putting it all there. It goes something like this that I found in the magazine, Defenders of Wildlife. Only when enough people care to join forces and holler and keep on hollering Will wildlife get its due consideration? And I thought, yeah, if we really, really don't want the churches to disappear and God to disappear, some of us have got to holler and holler and keep on hollering so that God's sort of quiet voice doesn't disappear in our hearts. Isn't that an interesting quote? If we want the wolves, we got to keep hollering and hollering. Yeah. And I think it has application for religion today in the Netherlands and in the USA and other spots. Yeah. Crazy lady. No, yeah, no, I I don't think you're so crazy. And I think uh, you know it's it's a very good point. I mean, some people would say that's a that's a different version of of the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? I mean, people will pay attention when, uh, when you keep uh, on it. Um, no, I think that's. I I think you just brought up an excellent point. And coming off of uh, a trip to Amsterdam and to Belgium, uh, what what crossed my mind as you were saying all of that is uh, I was on a train in I think Dusseldorf in Germany. In, and I think it was 1997, and I was traveling alone, and my, um, uh, you know, the people around me, 
Uh, and by the way, there's always been a stereotype about about Germans, and and for those who who don't know, uh, Germany abuts uh, the Netherlands on on one part of it, right? So um, it, there's been a a, a a a cliche or a stereotype about Germans that Germans stare, and I found that to be you know uh, at least valid. Uh, you know that they don't think it's rude to stare if they think you're interesting or you're different or whatever they they will look at you where Americans uh, will will dodge their eye they don't make contact uh, but I started talking to to people on this train uh, to Dusseldorf and someone you know a gentleman I can I picture him in my mind but he said that, that he was recently in America and and keep in mind this is 1997 and that. America, uh, he, he didn't realize it was such a religious country. And I said, a religious country? Uh, you see America's being, he said, yeah. He said, I was there and every single block had a different church, a different denomination. He said, every block I went. He said, and I went to a different area. And he's saying this in a broken, you know, broken German accent. He said, and, sure. and the same thing. Uh, there, are, there are churches on every block in every town, in every whatever. And I, you know, when I got back, I, I started noticing, yeah, we do. We have a lot of places to worship. And what you just said about uh, Amsterdam, really, I, it hits me in the heart. Uh, and you're right. I mean, I, I had to find, I had to go to, I was there on a, a Sunday in Amsterdam. And, I, you know, I wanted to go to a place to worship. And I figured, oh, this will be interesting. I went to five different places. There was one doing some kind of martial arts on, on a Sunday morning, <laughs> right? I mean, there's a church doing martial arts. And then there was someone doing something called hot yoga on uh, in another church. And this is all within blocks of each other. This is on a Sunday. And, and they said it hadn't been a church in years. It just, you know, just, you know, there was no sign on it. It just, it looked like a church to me. It, you know, you know, it had designs. Uh, it, it took me to call my wife and, and keep in mind we're uh, seven hours ahead. Uh, my, my wife found a place for me. Oh, no, not seven. We're four hours ahead. I'm sorry. But uh, my wife found a place uh, for me to go. And it was like, it was across town. But uh, it was, it, it took a little doing to find a church in, in in a major city, a major European city. I, yeah, I thought it was very disturbing. And you're right. I mean, like the wolves, like, the you know, we, we've got a howl. And, and maybe that's what we're doing here with the show and we're going to do with the, the, the TV station and um, and your ransom notes and your your weekly uh, your, your weekly thoughts uh, and and emails and whatever. This is this is what you're doing. And what what scares me a little is that Amsterdam to me is a very young city. I, I see it. I see a lot of young people gravitating there, and maybe they're gravitating because marijuana is is uh, legal or or whatever. But uh, I, I and and whatever is legal is legal. I'm not you know even getting into that here. But uh, I I I hope this isn't a statement that young people are giving up religion and and you know at first at first blush it sounds like it might be well that certainly was one of the comments that it within two generations uh it, 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 the, the second generation being the one that's living right now is that this has happened it's happened so rapidly that three 
couple of uh, my the grandparents of the kids today were pretty faithful their parents were not quite so faithful and now so so very few of them are really believing but your comments of finding them doing yoga exactly supports what what we heard so i think we're not making this up but it is not just true of churches uh i, I got back we got back in town at six o'clock on uh, on Saturday, and uh, my friend and I dashed right out to the university because, and we're there by seven o'clock to be part of the Illinois Symphony Orchestra program because I'm on the board and uh, I love symphonic music. And it was the Pops concert, and it was so incredibly different because we have to reach a different audience. And so we had a group that was called, and I didn't even know about them. They're called The Best of the Queen and the Journey. I guess young people know about The Queen and the Journey. The group was from Canada. They played, our our symphony orchestra was their backup music. I mean, you know, they had their guitar, they had uh, drums, they had a piano player, all of which, each of which was excellent, three singers and the lead man who owned or produced or whatever was the, the, the head, head muckety-muck. But our symphony played with them and backed up and did an incredible job. And then we had a, our, our choir was back for the first time and they were just, they were ecstatic as they were singing this rock and, what I would call rock and roll music. And then the second half, it was music that's called the Queen, the best of the Queen. It was wonderful music, but certainly not Mozart or Beethoven or Brahms or Shostakovich. And but as I said to some friends who are really traditional musicians, uh, classical, I said if we don't, if we don't bring in this kind of music in some way. We're not going to have any audience in a few. And that's what's happening to churches. I don't want us to water down what the Lord is, but we may have to put it in a, not in a yoga package, but we may have to use slightly different terms. We may have to be more bold and say, guys, you know, the Lord created us and he created us to worship him. So big changes are here, not just for the wolves and not just for the symphony orchestra. Yeah. But for churches. Hey, you know what? We've talked a long time, Frank. This has been fun. I'm so glad that we have a chance to share and witness for the Lord uh, our belief and faith. And I was glad to travel in the Netherlands. But sometimes you get a few tears in your eyes as you see some things. And I'm glad I didn't have to journey to the Ukraine as you did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, Listen, as as, uh, Dorothy once uh, famously said, there's no place like home. In the Wizard of Oz, right, and uh, and as nice as it is to see all the rest of the world, it's uh, always nice to be home, and it's nice to have you home. Uh, and look, it, it's it's a common theme going on. We have to keep faith alive, and we have to keep talking about it. Uh, Catherine, thank you very much, and welcome back. Have a good week. And to everyone there, we appreciate you tuning in each and every week, and you can hear us on 124 different outlets, uh, podcast and radio outlets, and, and and we'll let you know real soon uh, where to see us, where to tune in on TV. But 
uh, thank you very much for listening to Ransom Notes, and we will see you next time on Ransom Notes. Frank McKay signing off.